This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, Blanca, May and me, Dee, have a dish about food in Ireland from an international perspective. The Headstuff Podcast Network is Ireland's largest podcast network. It's a collective of shows covering everything from comedy to true crime, arts and culture to politics and food, interview shows to narrative storytelling. If you're a fan of this show or any of the shows on the network, you can join Headstuff Plus. Headstuff Plus is the one-stop shop for everything on the network. And by becoming a member, you get behind the scenes access, bonus episodes, exclusive interviews, early access to events, merchandise, and lots, lots more. It's just five euros plus fat per month. And when you sign up, no matter what show or shows you are supporting, you still get access to everything, all the bonus material for all the shows on the network. So for all the details and to sign up and please support us, visit headstuffpodcast.com. Hi, and welcome to Spice Bags. Um, For our last episode of season two, we are thrilled to have Ellie Kisyombe activist and food entrepreneur. Ellie is the founder of Our Table, where women from direct provision came together to cook in Ireland. And recently, she has just launched her own line, Ellie's Kitchen Home Edition. Hi, Ellie. Hi, May. Hi, Blanca. How are you, girls? Hi. Is it good to call you girls or ladies? (laughs) (laughs) Ladies. (laughs) Ladies. Ladies. How are you, ladies? We're great. Enjoying yeah. the Easter holidays. Yeah, it's a nice day today. I haven't been out, but I'm looking through my window and I live just close to Phoenix Park. I feel like I can just wear my runners and just run, run into Phoenix Park. <laughs> Ellie, um, we actually wanted to talk to you about, you know, first of all, about you being in Ireland, but also about you being from Malawi and mm-hmm. something about your family and the dishes that you grew up with. And, you know, and also what is sort of characteristic of Malawi cooking? So uh, growing up in Malawi, I had a very good upbringing and a very good start of my life, a very good childhood. And uh, I used between, I lived between the city and the farm. My mom owned the farm and my granddad also lived on the farm and my parents worked in the city. And during holiday times, we used to go to the farm, help out. Uh, we used to go to milk the cow, you know, like go in the, uh, my, my, my granddad and, you know, like the wakers that wakes on the farm, they wake up early in the morning to go to the farm. My, my granddad grow a lot of chilies cause like he was one of the biggest chili suppliers as Malawi. Also, we have a big Indian community. So the Indian community came to buy a lot of chilies, which that's something that I've actually learned now, you know, where all these chilies were going. Right. So uh, we used to go to the farm and they help out to do that, like to pull, uh, to uh, you know, like uh, pull the chilies. I don't know what you call it. You know, like taking off the chilies from the, the from the trees. So like this is a very big farm, and they used to grow vegetables. They used to grow corn, and and what else? And yeah, and pumpkin. We are big pumpkin eaters. I was talking to me about you know like the Chinese culture of. Uh, you know, like pumpkin leaves, and what do we say? You call it in 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 Asian thing in Chinese. The well, no, I don't. Leaves, I don't. Right? I know. You know, when, well, I know in Caribbean sometimes we call it kalaloo, and I do remember my mom yeah, saying yeah, 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 yeah. that we also sure. so it's kind of kalaloo, like and then also in Chinese that it's a sautéed pumpkin leaves. That was part of my uh, my growing up, and my parents were very, very like. Uh, loving parents my my father was a very proud man like I always call him a proud man like mm-hmm. in a very good way like people would view him in a very like an awkward uh type of a person but for me I really do understand where he was coming from and to be who he was so he was more like a family man and he loved his family and my mom she's a she was a quiet uh uh, uh bless them anyway I lost both of my parents so were there good cooks in your family 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So I took this uh, cooking thing. My mom was my mom was was one of the best cooks, and my auntie she took it from my mom, and my auntie kind of like make it like a little bit more modern, like the way I'm actually doing myself. So I'm coming from the foodie background, whereby my mom and my had my aunt owned the food business, and we were the first people to actually also own a bakery, like a, a hospitality business, and. Uh, my mom would cook quite a lot, but my mom, she didn't kind of like too much venture into corporate, but she did quite a lot on behalf of like, but she concentrated on the farming. But my aunt, she's the one that took more of the cooking into a corporate world. So, you know, she really changed the game from how mm. how our cooking was done. Like my mom was kind of like more coming from the family, big family cooking, like big family uh, foodie because uh, you know, like the, another big part of the culture of Malawian culture is like, you know, like when we are, when you are coming from a more family that's stable, every Sunday, the whole family, you go and, you know, gather at once one person who is more like a pillar for the whole family. So it'll be like maybe grandmom or it'll be like my mom, like uh, my grandmom will be like old and, you know, like also live in the in the country. So my mom, she's the one that lives in the in the in the city, and you know, like they privileged have a good home, and you know, like they can take in like twenty, thirty people. So all of us will be like uh, every week, like uh, you know, like every Sundays after church. You know, church it's a big thing from where I'm coming from. We are Catholics, but you know, like uh, we have like other people that they fell into other denominations, denominations. So like every Sunday we'll go to my mom's, and my mom should cater, like should cater for all of us, like. Our cooking is not just like a cooking of like, okay, you know, for eight people and you just have one fish and what our cooking is like when you're talking of fish, you're talking of 100 fish, right? If it's a Sunday, see? if it's Sunday dinner, you're talking of like, like 50 corn, you're talking of like 50 corn, 50 fish, you know, like slaughtering a, uh, a goat, slaughtering a sheep or, you know, like slaughtering a cow. So like, you know, like this is, this is what we call cooking. This is what, this is what we call soul food. So that is it's a big thing so my mom will be like that type of uh, a person and that's what turned them to say like why can't we turn this into a business and then a business my mom she did well she did her best but my aunt really like my aunt changed the game like my aunt when i mean my aunt changed the game you could get off of uh, malawi's uh like airport in milongwe at lombards and you just ask like uh you know may her so rest in peace we lost her in 2018 but you could just get down like at a uh, capital hotel in uh, at the Longwe airport and just say like i want to go to mrs Chitao. i need a cup like I, I need a i need a good wedding cake or i need a good birthday cake somebody will just tell you like mm. oh do you know mrs Chitao? like you have to go to mrs Chitao. and that's how my aunt or, like how huge my aunt was for listeners who don't know malawi is landlocked but malawi has this beautiful lake malawi can you it tell is. us about the fish yes. And yeah. what fish you eat. I <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can go there. So like Malawi, it's a land rock and Malawi it's one of the most beautiful countries. The people are nice, loyal, friendly, and you know, like the culture is very, very good. We are hearing some type of sorts of stuff, but it's just coming in new now. But Malawi was never like that. The only problem that we've had is like a political uh, landscape, you know, like we've had a di dictatorship and we went into Matipati and our politicians didn't get the Matipati really well. So that's what the chaotic is just down there. But when it comes to like now we talk about traditional culture, foods, Malawi is one of the best, best, best countries that you get real food, you get organic food, you get, you know, like fresh water because like Lake Malawi is one of the best lakes in Southern Africa that is up to now is still have fresh water, right? So like we have 365, more than 365 species of fish and we eat chambo. So chambo is our more popular and one of the richest delicacy in fish stories in Malawi. And we have, and the, the more chambo, it's kind of like tilapia, tilapia, if, uh, if people know tilapia. And then we have like uh, uh, Mpasa, it's called Mpasa. So Mpasa, it's more like sea bass. It's exactly like sea bass. And when I taste the flavor of sea bass, like, like Mpasa, it's more original because it's coming from these organic waters and fresh waters and it's really tastes so good and it's got a salt itself. 
And, uh, you know, like if you compare it, it's same as like sea bass here. And then we have bombay. Bombay is a nice fish. It's kind of like a salmon. It's kind of like a Malawi salmon that even it's a big, huge fish that when they're even cutting it, they cut fresh. They sell it by by piece, a chunk of, of steak of it. It's really, really beautiful. You can even like when I went in in uh, in Malawi because just after I got my papers, I went back to Malawi just to just to see where my my auntie and other families rest, and I wanted to visit my 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 parents' graveyard too. So you know, like I really went and tried to do something it because I just wanted to compare with salmon. So it's kind of like a salmon thing, and then we have uh oh we have loads and we have uh. uh you know, there is a fish here, what do you call it? You know, the one that you cook with, the one that's being uh, sautéed in a container and you can use it when you want to cook. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm just forgetting that. Uh, but if I, in a container. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can use it, like, you can use it uh, to even add it when you're cooking, to use it for a cooking. Uh, it says in the kind of, like, olive oil soaked Thing. anchovy oh anchovy it, it was coming in my yeah anchovy yeah so like we have yeah. like certain fish like anchovy like that you know like uh even i didn't even like when i went back it's when i remembered about that because my father is coming from the north of malawi which is karonga and karonga it's also good because karonga it's on the edge of the lake malawi so you know like they eat a lot of fish there and they have loads of fish and they also eat good rice because they have good rice really really good rice so like I, I I I I people were telling me like okay they use anchovy but you know like because there they don't have much luxury of kind of like olive oil and stuff like that but they soak it in sunflower oil because people there make sunflower oil right so they can use it in cooking and like that so yeah so <clears throat> so there is a really good uh tradition and you know like uh and story of fish which is a very good fish and very organic and also like really 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 nice food because people grow food with themselves and they don't use a lot of fertilizer or gmo or what they use manure and they do compost to actually grow their 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 uh, uh their produce Ali, I actually also wanted, because, you know, it's Easter, um, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, are there holiday dishes yeah. in Malawi? Yeah, they are. Like so, what you would have, you know, for... <clears throat> yeah, so they are holiday dishes. So, like, our holiday dishes, like, this is the holiday dishes. You know, like, that's what I'm telling you. Like, we eat big, right? When people have, we mm. eat big. So, like, our cooking is just not like a one chicken, Right. And another thing that I want to mention is like chicken is one of the high delicacy in Malawi. You can't actually, if I can bring you to Malawi, you can't say like, oh, you know what? I want to, I went to Ellie's house and I eat, which is uh, the delicacy dish, which is uh, pap, sadza or nsima in Malawi, we call it nsima. So nsima, it's kind of like a hard mashed potato made out of cornmeal, right? So you use that. It's like a polenta. Is it like a polenta? It's a polenta. Yeah, it's a polenta. I think I was yeah. looking at It's like a polenta. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's like a polenta. So you can use even polenta. You can even use white cornmeal. But because they grow a lot of white cornmeal, so they use a lot of white, white cornmeal. But also people can use like polenta. So you, they grow this and they pound it and they make flour out of it so that you make this hard uh, polenta. Right. So you eat with everything. You can eat with fish, meat, chicken and all of that. But Malawi, Malawi's high delicacy dish is chicken. So if I take you ladies to Malawi, you if you say like if you tell a Malawian that, oh, you know what? We were at early and then they, they she made us some sima and and meat. People will be like, what is she for real? Right. But if you just say like, oh, you know what? You know, like we went to Ellie's house and they made us like sima. Uh, vegetable and peanut butter soup and you know like chicken that they will tell you like may these people they so welcomed you right because <laughs> like chicken is so huge and it's so big right it's kind of like a high uh um delicacy and also if if you go and you say like oh they slaughtered me a cow they'll be like yes Yes, they couldn't give you a meat, but you have to use the word like, oh, we went to Ellie's, you know, like we went to visit Ellie's and they slaughtered, they, slaughtered, they slaughtered a cow for you because that's what it is expected. Even if it's one visitor, you have to slaughter a cow and invite the whole village to come 
to come and eat with you. Huh. So, so this is the celebrant tradition. So you have to slaughter a cow and you have to barbecue, you have to stew, you have to boil, however you want to cook it, but you have to have this, these elements of cooking around it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But also I think you're saying in certain ways, and I might be wrong, but you're saying that in certain ways, like the celebration meals, they're yeah. more often, like it's yeah. not just Christmas or it's, no, no, it's, no, no, no. it's like you have a visitor. No, 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 no. It's, it's them. are going to slaughter a cow. Yeah. So it's not just like yeah. Christmas, okay. like Christmas is Christmas because Christmas is celebration. Like Christmas, it's big. It's Christmas. And we are Christian. We are Christian country. So we believe in Christmas, right? So if we're talking of a Christmas, like people brew beer, you know, like they brew traditional beers, right? So they'll brew, I don't know if you've heard about this beer that's made out of corn and it's uh, it's added into millet and it's kind of like fermented. They, we ferment our beer, right? So they make all this fermentation beer and they also make this traditional whiskey. You can't drink that whiskey may like for a year it's gonna kill you it's it's, it's so deadly but it's actually made <laughs> like that's a proper gin i don't know if you've heard about the gin if you had i don't know if you heard about malawian gin because like malawian gin is one of no, the best no. gin yeah malawian gin is also one of the best gin in the world and it's counted for because of how it's made so it's made by corn the you know when they're pounding that corn for for the cornmeal right so it's got the skin on the on the maize. So it's called dare, right? So they take this dare, right? And they build like they 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 make a clay pot, a huge clay pot, maybe like about 150 liters of clay pot, right? So they put this uh there, which is like this maize skin, and they put a pipe. They make, you know, like these people are so creative. Right. I never pay attention to that. But now I've, I've actually kind of like uh, I didn't want to go and just do that beer, like do that whiskey. <laughs> so they they do some pipeline. So this beer is, is it's brewed like uh, for about like, I think, three weeks. Right. So this will be boiling. Okay. And then these pipes there, they'll be just kind of like having a drops of water. Right. I don't know what they do with this. And I really, I, I, I don't want to like just tell you guys something that I don't really know. But when I go, I really have to have this process because that gin, that whiskey, you've never seen that whiskey in the world. You can even pour it on a meat and meat is going to be cooked just <laughs> in a plate. <laughs> Through, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I remember me and my friends, we were talking like about it. We were talking about Irish gin and, and they were like, and they're my Irish friend. And they were like, Ellie, do you know that Malawi, you've got a beer that, you know, like it's one of the best, best gin that's brewed by people. So anyway, so they do that. So they make that beer and they make that fermented, fermented beer. And, you know, like, uh, they slaughter a cow and the intestines. Here you don't eat intestines. We eat quite a lot of intestines where we're coming from and cow feet. So, you know, like cow feet, like intestines. So this is what makes people feel like, oh, I went for a celebratory meet. Where, where, I mean, an event, whether it's Christmas or it's Easter or it's weddings or it's 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 a engagements and whatever whatever it is. Or maybe it's a new baby born, you know, like whatever it is. So this is how the celebrant dinners are being catered. Interesting. Ellie, yeah. I wanted to bring you back to Ireland because yes. um, <laughs> in Spice Bags, we're very interested in where people like you or, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes May or, you know, uh -huh. somebody from Mexico, how yeah. they view Ireland differently and what, like, what places do they go to to eat food that reminds mm -hmm. them of home or shopping mm -hmm. or growers? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. could you tell us some restaurants or shops? Where do you get, if you want to eat the type of food that you grew mm -hmm. up eating, where mm -hmm. do you go in Dublin? Yeah, so like in Dublin, I go into most rich, although like uh, we are still lacking, like in Ireland, we are still lacking a diverse of food, right? I'm from Africa and there is a core of this African food, which is a West Nigerian cuisine. That's a West Nigerian cuisine. I'm not, I'm very, very far nearly related to that food, right? Because that's not what we eat in the Southern. Because in the Southern, we, we, we were colonized by the British and the Irish came and then we have the Mexicans and we have the Portuguese. 
and we have the Spanish. So our food is branded into these uh, traditions of cuisine, right? And one thing that I've actually learned a lot of how Malawian cuisine is, it's between English and Portuguese because we eat a lot of garlic. So garlic in, in, in Portuguese cuisine is in, in Portuguese cuisine, it's so big. Right. So Mozambique would be like a Malawian neighboring country. And Mozambique was colonized by the Portuguese. So like there, the garlic, the, the spice, the barbecue, the boiled, the chilies are so big in there. So we go to East Africa. We call Tanzania, Kenya, um, um, uh, uh, Sudan. So we have more similar food also from the uh, K- Kenya Tanzania, uh, East Africa, I, I should just say like the whole East Africa region. So we have beans in Malawi and beans, it's kind of like also big in Malawi and it's also big in East Africa. And we have snacks like samosas and things like that. So we now like in Ireland, what I'm actually actually seeing the food that has, has, has grown roots is the West African food. That's the Nigerian, and there is even a war of food between Nigeria and Cameroon and, you know, like Togo. You can see they fight for their jarof rice because, like, they say, oh, this jarof rice, is it's not from a, <laughs> it's not from Nigeria. This is for a Cameroon. Oh, our rice is so good and it's that. While us in Southern Africa, we make the same rice, but we call it red smoky rice, right? And our recipe came through the Mexican to the, uh, to a more of Portuguese because, like, you have to do black garlic in there. You know, you have to do chorizo in there. So you've got a little bit of Italian in there, you know, like Italian and Spanish. So you've got a chorizo in there and you have um, you have red onions and you have a, what else do you have in a red rice? You have a tomatoes, you have sweet bell peppers and you don't have like this uh, dried fish. But in West Africa, they make the same, they, it's called jarof rice. It's got a lot of dried fish. It's got a lot of uh, um salt it's got a lot of uh uh what do you call it it's got a lot of uh there's this type of the way they do their some of their spices which is called magi and it's 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 a very different from what we have because in southern africa we have roikom suzy mix and roiko it's branded between dried dried herbs so we don't have a lot of uh meat or fish in 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 that spice well these the spices made from the West Africa, they are more made of meat and also fish and and stuff like that. So we have we we are la- really lacking a diverse food in in Ireland, and I can actually tell you like we eat when we eat more shops that have African food here, they are containing like more of West African food, not of more Southern or East African food. So we are still in a gap of bending that, and I think the likes of people like. I myself, with many more other people that we are going to see behind me, we are going to introduce food from, you know, like from, from the other parts of Africa that can actually divide the diverse and actually identify the traditions and the heritage of where the regions of the food is coming from. So I think that will be something that I'm actually looking at. So if I tell you now, like, where do I get my food? Yeah, I get into Asian food the food that I can just translate it into a Southern food, but it, it might not mainly the, uh, the, the Southern African, the Southern African or the Malawian cuisine. Another thing that I've actually also learned is like, I think we all eat more similar foods, but the only difference is like how we also prepare these foods. I think that's just kind of like another aspect of food that I'm actually learning right now. Well, you did say that you found your pumpkin leaves in um, West Mead. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a friend of mine that grows. So they say- uh, yeah. <laughs> so I've got a friend of mine too, like that owns a farm. Mm-hmm. He's got a small farm. He's a small farmer. He's actually getting up there for him to establish himself like a, a, a little, little uh, a registered small farmer. But he does grow like all these, uh, what do you call it? The um, tunnel foods, right? So he grows pumpkin like I told him like you know like pumpkin we eat pumpkin and he grows like pumpkin and also he he grows kale here you call it kale but in kale, Malawi yeah we don't call, yeah yeah so in Malawi we don't call that kale kale we call you it call English the rep. English rep <laughs> I don't know why Yes. Why they call it English? Is, yeah? I was like, <laughs> like, 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 I don't, I don't even because, <laughs> like, even in Malawi, um, Irish potato, like potatoes, the potato, it chips it, it's called Irish potato. So, like, anyway, I've actually learned why it's called Irish potato. It's because of the Irish famine. 
So like when this potato was going around the world, the Irish people are the one that brought these potatoes. So they are called Irish potato. But on the English rep, I'm not really sure. Maybe it's Dr. David Rivingstone because he's the one who also brought like a little bit of spices in Malawi. So maybe it's Dr. David Rivingstone who said this should be English rep. <laughs> So, yeah, so we have this. It's funny. Show. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ellie, I was just going to say in Irish, potatoes are called Spanish potatoes. Oh! I learned that the other day. And it's ah. it's what, it's what and obviously potatoes come from South yeah. America, but it's just how we perceive them. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting about your, your, like you wanting to show more foods from Africa. Just a little bit about heritage. Mm-hmm. I know you have children and mm-hmm. I have children and sometimes mm-hmm. I get very frustrated. Like my daughter told me for mm-hmm. her birthday, she wanted sausages. Mm-hmm. She wanted frozen Fanta. And I felt like, oh my goodness, I have failed miserably at being an influencer, both online and offline. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I really want my daughters to have some recipes from Spain. Mm-hmm. What would be the mm-hmm. recipes you would want your children to cook? in the future when they're adults uh, or like, even w- when w- they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I would literally love, like my son, he loves our sima, our pup. He actually eats it, although they are changing, you know, like they're changing. They ain't liking, like, like when I was growing up home, like for me, it was very hard to embrace this food. And I'll be honest with you. Like I was so hard, like eating sima. I was so hard on like eating chicken and sima. And, you know, like I'll be like rice, chips and and you know like more families like where i grew up from they'll be like treating kids like that you know like kind of like spoiling you a little bit and spoiling you a little bit will be this kind of food like okay you have to make sima for everyone but you know like kids rice and chips and all of that so uh my kids kind of like know this food and they do cook although they've actually transcended a lot into like more irish way like more uh uh, uh british way which is also like uh, i can't blame them because like our food is not far from european food so you know like it's just uh so easy for them to relate it quite a lot but i'll still want them to keep like the tradition of like sunday i do myself i like hosting and sometimes i do like myself when i've invited people from um uh, from my, 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 my Malawi. So I make like uh, Malawian food. So I make fish, I make chicken, I make stews, I make oxtail and, you know, like I make uh, English wrap and I make pop and, you know, like I, I make barbecue and things like that. So I'd really also want them to once in a while to still have this tradition or even on their birthday to just say, oh, we are going to have a uh, like a Malawian, uh, a, 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 like a cultural and, and, and traditional birthday where they can have all of these sorts of food, not just like a turkey or, or, or Irish potatoes there, a carrots and greens. No, no, no. I really want them to have like, because like when we say our food is like colors of food, like that's what we say food, it's colors of food. So you have to have pumpkin, you have to have pumpkin flowers, you have to have pumpkin leaves, you have to have sima, you have to have chambo, which is fish, or sibas, which is impasa. You have to have chicken and you have to have barbecue, um, barbecue uh, lamb or, or barbecue goat, you know, like, and you have to have, uh, uh, you know, sasas because sasas are big. In Mexico, they call them guacamole. We call them sasa. We call them mapeara uh, chatani, you know, like, so I didn't want them to have all of this and to show people that, you know, like, they also have kind of like a, a heritage and uh, of food that, you know, like they still preserve for, you know, like from where they're coming from. For many people that don't know, I moved over to Malawi to come here to seek asylum. So I find myself in a system called direct provision. So direct provision is a system that caters for asylum seekers while they are waiting for their cases to be processed. Unfortunately, the time that I was actually moving here, the system of asylum seeker wasn't like the system that it is right now. So the system was very tough. There were so many things that, you know, like they were not like uh, fit for a purpose for people that were living in there. And one of them was the deny the denied of the basic human rights for people to cater for themselves so you know like when you live in this you were everything is that's why it's called direct provision because everything is provisionally given to you including being made and being given the choices of food that even you yourself you won't even relate to and as i've actually said that you know like uh, 
I, you know, like I'm coming from Malawi, I have the foods that I've grown up eating and, and I can like really feel sorry for my sisters and my, the brothers you are going to have. I won't, I don't even need to speak for themselves, but, uh, you know, like Nigeria, it's a different, it's a certain culture that they, they really, really, really love their food. Like they really, really love their food, <laughs> you know, and, and for them to go like months and months, not eat their egusi, eat their uh, pounded yam, for them, it's like you are committing a sin for them, right? At least for maybe Southerners, I think we adapt so quickly. So, you know, like this is the, like, huh. this is the situation that we're even, we're even catered as people of these ethnicities, but failing to give them what is, things that you know they they grow up or they really like or they eat so mm. that was how i found myself fortunately i was lucky to get that and then through that position it's when i met uh, a friend of mine michelle damody who is you know like one of my best friends right here i can't remember the date but i can just remember that it was in rough minds where we were given a first space to actually cater for uh for to start for our project and we brought about 10 people from direct provision Okay. My dear, it was like we were in the yeah. primary health care <laughs> talking to, <laughs> to a therapist. <laughs> and it was one of the funniest, like fun and not funny, but um, traumatic in a way, but in a, in a good way, hmm. but also funny. Because if I can look mm-hmm. back and remember what happened that day, up to day, I don't even really understand. Men and women cooked. Men and women talk. You know, like when people are so hungry, give them food, they'll tell mm. you everything. They'll even tell you their passwords, right? Mm. So like, this is what really <laughs> happened. <laughs> this is really what happened that day. Like people were just kind of like, a, it was like, you know, like people that we've lived like for five years, some of them, they've lived for eight years. I remember there was a woman that she's been eight years in the system already at that time, right? And she's mm-hmm. from Uganda. And she was making like like all these peanut butter, you know, like uh, uh, meat and what, and she was talking. And, you know, like she left her children that she got her status not long ago because I know and I follow her and she got her kids very mm-hmm. soon. You know, by the time that she was meeting the kids that she left of them, some of them, they were, they were four, five, six. She met them when they were 20 something and some of them, they were getting married right so like this woman she was okay. in there and she was actually cooking her food and she was talking her about her children she just broke down like broke down like really broke down and like, like this is just over food so then after that cooking then we started going there like once in a week and meet up and make food and invite people to come and eat and people just start loving the food and people said oh yeah you know what why can we not do this as on like on a different level and then we had our first event in the project at center and that was i think 2015 i'm not sure like that was 2015 that was the first and we i can't even remember very well i'm not good with dates anyway so like we did first one and we did like a a saturday a friday and i can't remember we did two days the following two days and on those two days my dear we had like people on our door we fed over 500 people we fed maybe 700 people like between between those rides and we brought every food and people were coming like irish people were so happy and they received it and then you know started hearing our stories another side of it that trapped them it's like the uh the self-esteem so people lose self-esteem and you know like if even you've lived in this system for three years without employment without any doing anything communication you become you know unemployable so we know these are the things that we actually looked at as you know like how can even i myself i was in that position so you know like uh we say uh you know how can we make this better it's us in certain ways what you were saying at the very beginning like you kind of got your business spirit from your auntie like there's that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have you know like you talked no. about your auntie and just like you know everybody knows and you know like, you know and and how she's you know and how she'd never ever quit um and there's a little bit yeah. of her in you i think yeah yeah exactly so like i have my auntie and my dad like uh, if you know people that knows me they'll tell you that i'm my female version of my dad right so my dad was a very very hard working guy my mom was a hard working guy but she was very very quiet but my father was everything. My father was not a quitter, was a pusher. My father was somebody that embraced life with a very, because my father faced a lot of things that could have set him back, right? 
But my father really fought it through her way to her de- to his death, mm. right? So my father would be like someone that is an entrepreneur, he's a hard worker, he's a community person, he loves to support people. When my father died, we saw people coming to my house crying, crying like, hmm. who's going to pay my kids school fees? Who's going to build me? Who's going who's gonna to give hmm. me a job? Because like my father worked in agriculture sector. So it's, it's a big, it's called ADMAC. So it's a big agriculture sector in Southern Africa, SADIC, that you know, caters for the food reservations and all of that, you know. So, like, he was big into there and he got a lot of people jobs and he cared for, you know, like, underprivileged community. So, like, I have that uh, bit of me, uh, it, it, uh, like, it, in my dad. You're so, um, I think you're such a powerful, um, <laughs> you know, image of women entrepreneurship in <laughs> Ireland. And I wanted you to tell mm. us a little bit about the sauces. How did you come up with that idea? And okay. a little bit about your favorite sauces. Okay. So uh, now my favorite sauce is proving to be the smoky lemon right which is kind of like really really traditional and i'm just making it through traditional way uh the way i'm processing it preserving it it's really really under really organically like how my parent would uh, preserve it i'm not using any smoke flavors and all of that i'm smoking it from the scratch here i've been really lucky that i found rosemary and rosemary is part of the uh instead of wood i'm smoking through rosemary and you know like i have extra extra sauce and extra it's a very very one of the hit for the people that have actually ate it they are relating a little bit of tabasco but tabasco can't match because tabasco is not as hot as it is and then i've got like the lemon the 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 lemon the garlic the the lemon herb the lemon herb it's also good it's good on sandwiches pizzas and also like barbecues and all of that and how I came about with sauces is my mom invented sauces. My mom invented a few things, invented kids' porridge, invented sauces. And uh, what was it again? She said, and she wanted to make juice, you know, like bottled juice. Unfortunately, the sauces, we had a family that was kind of like a competent with my family. And then this family took my mom's recipe and they made it like big. It's a big branch, right? It's a big brand and it's gone overworld. I won't mention it for some, you know, family reasons, but uh, it's a big brand that it's the whole world. They sell and they've been there for 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 gener- for for my generations, right? So my mom wanted to actually, my mom really really wanted to do this, but my mom was not a fight like my father was, right? If that was my father's like path, my father would have done anything to make sure that he he went ahead with everything. So and my aunt. She started again trying to do produce, but because my, my, my to do like production, but my aunt, because she just majored into like hospitality, catering events, and all of that, so she left the uh branding like the the pro- product the products thing on the side. So, you know, like as I came here and start learning about products and all of that, and also like I just want to leave a mark on my family's name because this is not only me, and when I'm talking with my uncle, we actually my uncle always say how proud he 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 is of me that I've actually taken this seriously and uh you know and uh for me it's just continuing the legacy of my parents and my aunt and I tell you girls like uh, I'm going through a lot to build this and I'm making sure that the foundation is really concrete because I'm going to take this for generations and I'm going to do that whatever it's going to take me to but I'm going to build this into a brand that I didn't want to stay and uh and everything that I'm actually doing now like really now as I'm talking to you is taking me time is taking me a huge toll on my health but uh, for me it's kind of like building something that's going to last for a very very long time because this is what my parents started and I want my parents myself to live in this story and maybe my children and my grand, my great and my grandchildren to live through this this story. So that's what I'm trying to do with these sources. Yeah. Thank you. This is so fascinating, <laughs> Ellie. This story. I'm totally. I, I I'm I'm expecting a book about this. Yeah. We need a yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We will. So do, interesting. We will do. I've actually taken time for everything, but this year I'm coming out with a book, which I've actually. Uh, I did ask personally a friend of mine to help me to start write uh, the first book because during the pandemic I've been doing quite a sorts of time, quite of sorts of things helping friends to cook and all of that. You know, like I would have, if I was somebody, I would have a lot of ways of like trying to do things to generate money, but I don't believe in soul. Like 
like everything that I'm building, like I, at the end of the day, we all want a paycheck. But for me, at the end of the day, it's the connection, the the the, the communities, the the compassionate, the empathy that you know, like has flourished in me as a person to be where I am. And uh, with also making money, at the end of the day, I also want to do things that's gonna be like being uh, profitable to the communities that I've lived. So I asked a friend of mine that we've actually doing sorts of like food stuff, like you know, growing vegetables and creating compost and even me teaching him a few stuff. So we are writing a book together and we are hoping that our book is going to be ready by 1st December. Biography, not yet. But uh, from that, I think I'm going to learn a lot because I'm learning a lot. So after that, I'm going to learn a lot. And maybe 2022 going upwards, and then the books will be coming one after another. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, hopefully, also, Ellie, we get to see you in person at some point. I miss you. <laughs> yeah, I am really. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a social person. I'm a social and, you know, like physical interact, interacting with people. And, you know, like this pandemic has just like left me helpless. But, uh, I pray that we are going to meet soon and please God, please God. And also before I yes. go, because people listen to your podcast, I am literally like really looking at stability. So I'm looking for a kind land road on a rent, not to give me a building, but on a rent or, you know, like give me a long-term contract that we can talk about. So, you know, like uh, I can caretake at the building while I'm also you know, like preparing my foods and my production in there. So anyone who is listening, have anyone close to them that has sort kind of like premises, to be honest, I'm really, really dying for that place to actually come in in, <laughs> in practical this year. I just want to take a minute to talk about a Head Stuff podcast about a subject that is dear to all of our hearts. In Fail Harder, Emma Jane Purcell chats to people at the top of their game about their failures. I know I'm hoping that at some point I will be successful enough to be a guest on Emma's show. Hello, I'm Emma Jane from Fail Harder, the podcast that chats to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. I have some unbelievable guests on the show like Paul Meskel, James Cavanagh, Georgina Campbell, the list just goes on. And of course, we'd be mad to take failure too seriously, so every week I have 20 questions in front of me numbered at random. Most are straightforward, however, some are a little more unconventional, and in the spirit of failure, my guest can pick the numbers. They might not like the results, but life's not fair and neither is my podcast. Guys, I absolutely loved that interview with Ellie Kasyumbe. I mean, I've met Ellie before. I had I was familiar with her our story story. Um, but I just think she's such an, an interesting person. And actually, I had never heard those stories about her malawi you know background and growing up um blanca what did you think of kind of how she spoke about malawi food and and the similarities i think she was very um there was i was telling may there's some something like magical about ellie that she's able to capture that image and bring it to life and to be honest i've never really known a lot about malawi but I almost felt transported there and her descriptions of the food. She's a real storyteller and mm. I'd really love to get more stories from her. Yeah. I mean, I know, um, May, you know Ellie very well. Like myself, you've you've been uh, come across her over the years. Um, but I did you feel the same way that you kind of learned so much more about her th in this? And it was just she was so open about her family and everything like that as well. I mean, Ellie is, um, she's a charmer. She just, you know, she, yes, sort of, she, is. she yes. spins, she's like, she spins magic every time you talk to her and, you know, and you're sort of in her web. Um, I, I loved how specific she was about Malawi and the food um, this time around and, and about even just the outside influences, this idea of Malawi hospitality, um, mm. you know, um, killing a cow if, you know, or eating yes. chicken, like having chicken if you have a guest. Um, all of these details that she was putting in um, yeah. into her story that, again, like wove a web. Yeah, it's kind of exactly how, not exactly, but I like the whole, like you were talking about, touched on there about the killing of a cow or she spoke about killing a goat as well for 
for when you go to someone's house and there would be food and things like that. And I feel like that's kind of, I, I don't know a lot about Malawi as well, but I learned a lot from, from her interview. And I, but that is kind of one of the ways I pictured the food. And in some ways it was interesting the way she spoke about, um, a lot of similarities between Malawi food and Irish food. Now that she's here, she's able to kind of see that, but <clears throat> excuse me, also in a very, what I'm trying to say is a very African um, food, you know, in terms of killing animals and having everybody gather together and have different types of uh, vegetables and dishes and prepared in that way. Um, it's kind of, I suppose, um, similar to other African African countries as well, but in a very, but she got so much more specific about certain details and ingredients and dishes. Well, I think she was very, I think she was also very clear about how it was different, right? And that, yeah. and that for instance, that um, a lot of what we consider to be African food is West, is Nigerian, which is West yes. and very distinct from Malawi. Um, the other thing though, that um, there was that similarity between Ireland is, and I was unexpected, was when she talked about distilling whiskey and gin. Yes, that, that was, was so That for me, I, I thought I, that was new to me. No surprise that you were interested in the gin story. Whiskey and gin, yes. And then what was fascinating, almost almost like a novel, was the story with the sauces. And when we asked her about her new business venture, how why did she come up with this idea to do sauces? She told us, you know, you heard it, how this family recipe was stolen. And once again, I just saw a story this could be an actual story on Netflix it's but what did you guys think of that no I loved it I mean I just thought it's so interesting I mean sometimes you feel like when you and we speak to a lot of food producers all the time regardless of where they're from or their backgrounds but you don't often get as interesting a story as that you know it was as you said it was just kind of like so fascinating that that's how they got the recipe um but I think it's just her journey literally <laughs> from Malawi to here to where she is now with her own business I mean she's just had an incredible journey and I think it just shows that regardless of what country you're in that if you have that entrepreneurial spirit and that passion for food that Ellie does um, that you can, you know, make that success um, anywhere, you know, and I think that she really, and she really is passionate about people understanding her food and also her country's food. You know, there's a difference there. I think, I think also just the fact that she is an entrepreneur um, and that, that really, and she talks about her aunt um, who, you know, who I think has a lot of, you know, influence on her, like her, both her, she said her aunt and her father. Um, and that, um, and that, I guess, entrepreneurial, like that ambition, um, you know, her aunt, I think, you know, had, you know, sort of turned the family food into, was able to turn sort of family recipes into something that was more of a business. Right. And that's, yeah. she talked about that quite a lot. Um, and also just, I love this, like, as this is our final episode of season two, I just love that we finished with a cuisine from a country that I, like, if you would ask me what, what is Malawi cuisine before, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to say the difference between that. And I'm probably more familiar with West African, like Nigerian food, because I've had more experience of that here. Cause I think there are more Nigerians in in Ireland than Malawans, but um, is it Malawan? Malawans? Malawians. Malawian, Malawian, yeah. Malawian, yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, so I just love that we ended the, the season learning such a fascinating story with Ellie and such a great person to interview. And, you know, it is always so nice to just kind of feel like, I want to go out and explore Malawi food now and just it would be great to I'd say we must go back to her for our shopping guide and and get more tips and ingredients that we should you know you can go out and get around Ireland is there 
she spoke about um in County Westmeath being able to get the um what was it the pumpkin the leaves pump, pumpkin leaves yeah so we should you know the things like that they're great they're great tips to definitely add to our to our blog as well and and we also wish her a lot of luck with her business venture and oh my God, she's yeah, looking yeah. for um also for space to develop her restaurant and her sauces so you know if you hear of any opportunities, I mean, yeah, yeah. If there are any kitchens, and she said she's just, yeah, she she she's happy to, she's love to rent. But do get in touch. Yeah, definitely. I think we can help her put the word out for for her for that. Um, and of course, that is our final episode of season two. It's been such a great season. I don't know about you guys, but I had so much fun. It's my first season, obviously. But um, I had so much fun uh, recording and meeting people and just buzzing off all of the the knowledge and experiences that I've learned in this season. It's been interesting um, how we've been able to travel, even though we've been in this COVID situation. I think these recording these podcasts and meeting these people has have really allowed us to travel. And made yes. up for for that, and meeting you know all of our friends that we've made from Venezuela or people like Ellie, it's been almost like an armchair tourism, and you know I'm happy that we're able to do this, and it's been such a good journey, and we're gonna dedicate now some time to do more research, create more shopping guides. Uh, we'd love to hear from you what you like about the podcast, what you'd like us to add. So please do get in touch. Um, we're at Spice Bags Pod in all the platforms. And our email is hello spicebags.ie. So Yeah, hello at spicebags.ie. Yeah. And I, I think as well to put that call, you know, we are continuing to put that call out. What we want to do with Spice Bags as a podcast, but also our website and us as as members of the Spice Bags crew, um, is to connect as, with as many people in the international community in Ireland in terms of you don't have to be working in the food industry. You know, if you're just passionate about your own food, um, your cuisine, if there's some shopping for food, you know, if there's something you want to tell us, if or if you're just Irish and you've found an amazing place to go shopping for ingredients like let us know we're we're just collectors of um of food experiences food memories food stories and food in general so we just want to network and connect with everybody in the community here so please get in touch um yeah through any of our social websites or email and we will get back to you thanks guys see you next season If you like what you heard or better yet have a question or response or comment to anything that we said today we really want to hear from you so please contact us at instagram at spice bags pod twitter as well as the same spice bags pod or you can email us at spice bags pod at gmail.com This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.